Whether you have a general interest in health and wellness, or you're a medical professional, we're here to provide you with the tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. This is Health Use House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. This is House Call. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I am here with Dr. Brett Seelove, Chief of Cardiology at Jersey Shore University Medical Center. Um, hey, Dr. Seelove, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for coming. Today, we're here to talk about how the recommendations surrounding a low-dose aspirin is no longer recommended as a preventative measure to reduce the risk of cardiovascular problems for older adults without heart disease. So just backing up a minute, why has aspirin been a recommendation for those who have heart disease or stroke or as a prevention for heart disease and stroke? So aspirin um, back in the 50s was really discovered actually when accidentally when kids chewed aspirin and actually they started to bleed through their gums. So some smart clinician noticed that this has some blood thinning properties and the reason why it's, it was in guidelines was to minimize the end result of hardening of the arteries, which is stroke, heart attack, blood clots. So that's how this all came to fruition. And in 2016, the United States Preventative Task Force got together, which is essentially a group of 16 really smart clinicians, and they decided based on analyzing that data that people over 50 who have some semblance of heart-related risk, which is a risk of 10% over the next 10 years, should be on aspirin. Fast forward five years, data has now accumulated, newer data, that perhaps this little thing called aspirin is not the saving grace of the world, that there are some risks to aspirin, and that risk is bleeding. And just to put it in context, if I can, you know, we are really talking about something called primary prevention versus secondary prevention, which I'm not trying to get into the weeds of medicine, but it is important to distinguish for people listening. So primary prevention is a disease modifying strategy for people that do not have hardening of the arteries, stents, bypass, peripheral arterial disease, and secondary prevention are targeting those patients that already have such. So we are not talking about patients who have disease already. Aspirin is unequivocally recommended unless it's um, advised otherwise by their physician. So we're talking about people who are, are at risk for a disease that they don't already have. That makes sense. So you're not going to use it you know, if you don't have any risk issues right now, but if you do have hardening of the arteries, yes, there you go. Yeah. Then you want to stick to your aspirin. Um, so who is at risk for heart disease and stroke just generally? The preventive task force recommends now the patients that are at highest risk are between the ages of 40 and 59 that have, again, a cumulative risk of about 10% over the next 10 years. And those patients should be considered on low-dose aspirin which again is a terrific drug, but has some problems, and that problem is bleeding. And those highest risk patients should be considered on aspirin. The real recommendation now turns in looking on patients that are over 60 who used to be put on aspirin just because you are at a certain age. And the problem is, is as you get older, so does your risk for bleeding increase, as well as your risk for other hardening of the artery related events. And as you get older, it seems like the bleeding risk is starting to outweigh or pretty come close to the benefit of aspirin. You mentioned the bleeding risk, and I've read, you know, it's just there's life-threatening bleeding for those over 60 in the digestive tract or brain. Why is it those areas? And I guess, why does this happen? In the stomach lining, aspirin can 
um, erode the stomach lining over over long term. We're not talking about if you have pain in your knee or a headache and you could take two aspirin like we did decades ago. Uh, that really has very low risk in the immediate term. So long-term chronic aspirin use for people that are at high risk for bleeding will increase the propensity for bleeding. It can erode your stomach lining and it could actually increase the risk of bleeding in the brain. But we're really talking about the 72-year-old who has high blood pressure and maybe some other risk factors who we used to give aspirin essentially in their morning cup of coffee. Those patients now, we have to hit the pause button and reflect on an individual level whether or not the bleeding risk is mitigated by the benefits of that drug. You've mentioned a couple of different parameters on how someone would decide, I guess, whether aspirin is right or wrong. I guess, how else would you advise to decide if it's right for them or not? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And the reality is, is this, this discussion should be per the individual. The task force is looking at the population in the United States so the person in front of the clinician is, is the number one person at that moment. So this is an individualized discussion. That's first and foremost. The second thing I would argue is that aspirin has tremendous benefit in those patients that are at, at risk for heart disease but low risk for bleeding. The real take of this message, at least in my eyes and hopefully for the listeners, is 80% of heart disease is essentially a modified disease state. So as much as we have heard for decades about the things that we really can do, we have the ability to kind of take this as a kind of a pivot moment in the world of cardiovascular disease and look back and say, well, what can we do to prevent this disease more than aspirin can do? And the answer is blood pressure control, sugar control, work on physical activity, obesity, et cetera. And that's the real take home message. Aspirin doesn't have the ability to decrease your risk for heart attack, stroke, or death by 80%. You do. The patient does in, in combination with working with their clinician and their clinician team. And that's really what I would focus on. Again, aspirin has a role, but it's just not for everyone. If you could give takeaways of preventative measures people can take, what are some, I guess, healthy tips for folks? This may take more than five minutes, but uh, the answer I would probably say is first and foremost, I would really work on portion control and food selection. I would work on you know, putting in those steps and doing even five to 10 minutes of physical activity a day. It doesn't take you joining a gym and running a New York City Marathon, although you're welcome to do that. It doesn't take that to have net benefit for heart-related you know, disease reduction and risk. Keep a very close eye on your blood pressure because it is known as the silent killer for a reason. Most people don't know their blood pressures are elevated. And the other things I would argue is probably keeping an eye on your blood cholesterol levels, your sugar levels, um, and in you know, and keeping up with preventative measures. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think that was a nice, simple answer for this new change for people. So really appreciate it. You bet. Glad to be here. All right, there you have it, folks. Doctor C. Love. The material provided through this podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.